tonight on Podcast Them Down, Camelot released the same album again. Hail Metal Nation, it is I, Tim. You're listening to Podcast Them Down and joining you and me, you being the listener and me being he who is talking, is, uh, is Doug and Mike. And we are going to talk about Camelot's new album, The Awakening. And uh, we are continuing our metal review series. And uh, we, we already reviewed Ripper's EP, and i got to pull up my... Uh, uh, the uh, y- you know what's what's the point of rating something if you don't keep track of the numbers you know <laughs> and i'm not sure that uh mike is familiar with <laughs> our very uh accurate ra- rating system you know you can go listen to uh go search for the podcast and down episode the metal codex metal review codex Oh, which yes. lays it out in further detail, but I'll leave it to Doug to explain it briefly, if you like. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we're operating under the premise that a record is a discrete thing and not just a container for songs, especially in the context of heavy metal, which is almost uh, is always typically album-oriented. Uh, so... Uh, we score not only, uh, it's not one score, but three scores, beginning, middle, and end, so far as the music goes. Then we have a separate uh, presentation score. Oh, interesting. Encompassing okay. album art and uh, videos and ancillary media. And then the metal factor, uh, which is not a catch-all at all. <laughs> Yeah, so so there you go. So <laughs> as we go through this, we're going we have to decide where act 1, act 2 and act 3 start and begin. Okay. Start and begin, start and end. Oh, oh, <laughs> and the most contentious thing, which I think we open with Tim, we got to we got to re- define the genre or subgenre concisely. Oh, Christ. Correct. Correct. So I I have pre-typed in uh progressive power metal because that is what metal archives claims camelot is should we discuss this yes yes <laughs> uh, yeah, okay I, go ahead mike uh, no it, yeah whoever has the strongest feeling begin i i mean it, it is very hard to not uh it, it's very hard to ignore the symphonic aspects of this over the progressive aspects i mean and i wouldn't i wouldn't consider this particularly progressive it's got its moments uh but i would i would vote more for like symphonic power metal what would make this progressive like if you could point to something but like or or like comparing it to another pro like let's say i think progressive power metal i'd think of like symphony x what can i point at in camelot that I can also point at Symphony X. I, I was thinking about this way too much last night. And mm-hmm. yeah, if you were to name sort of attributes of progressive music, you would find them in this record and in uh, late stage Camelot in general. But it's not, you know, this is a, my, my description is gothic tinged symphonic metal. Oh, so you dropped the power too? I don't think this is really power metal. Uh, I was I could, well. I I pointed that out because I was going to bring it up. 
what can you point at in this and say that's power metal? Well, let's stick with the progressive thing a second. So what is progressive metal or progressive rock? And I would say you're, it, it's demonstrating sort of a mastery of, of instrumentation, uh, innovative composition, nominally, nominally, you know, in the service of some sort of uh, uh, heightened narrative or dramatic feeling and like the the that dream theater song i i always come back to this whatever the one with it from like 2011 is where the i don't know it's about a rock or something and there's dollar signs and but it's like every single musician gets a like like a prelude solo and then (laughs) Then James Labrie and the vocals kick in, and then we get all the regular solos too. And it's like that's progressive yeah, think, music to me. I think uh, Pale Blue Dot does that. I don't know if that's the one you're talking about, but <laughs> no, I know which one you're talking. You're, you're talking about uh, system off of Systematic Chaos somewhere in there. Yeah, I've- I don't remember the song. Well, the fact that we can't narrow it down either, I think, <laughs> kind of speaks to uh, the progressiveness. So, so I, I would actually, okay, so take a band like Tear, and I think Tear, and I realize I'm not pronouncing that correctly. Uh, yes, write your angry letters Toyota. anyway. Uh, it's, it's, well, we don't need, <laughs> I, I want to America explain it to you. <laughs> um, but, but, but Tear is a progressive band, but they actually don't have a whole lot of, like, wanky guitar solos or wanky solos in general you the music is just complex it's complexly arranged but i think most people would probably describe it at least some of their stuff um uh as progressive um yeah so, that, that band in particular i think it's a spectrum but like stuff like ragnarok is very yeah on the progressive side of things. And, it's, and Eric the Red, too, is, is extremely yeah. progressive. But I think that's a good point, Mike. You can get to progressive via the songwriting and not just virtuosity. Right. And like, yeah. like I think the biggest misnomer uh, about progressive music is that it can't be formulaic. Uh, uh, like, <laughs> Queensryche or Dream Theaters would be a case in point of the, the, it's progressive metal by numbers very often. Well, so I'm convinced that we definitely need to drop the progressive label. I think it should be symphonic. Yeah. And I, I which is how I would uh, describe Nightwish lately. And I feel like this lives in the Nightwish camp more than it lives in a Dream Theater type camp. A lot of this sounds like like uh, once era Nightwish, like Dark Chest of Wonders, things like that. But yeah, I mean, what? So let's talk about Camelot real quickly. Um, they've been around since the mid '90s. Go ahead, Tim. Hey, uh, symphonic metal is what I've written. Yeah, I see. We drop the progressive. We drop the power. I'm with you there. I know you said. But I think I know I you think said we, gothic tinge. Yeah, but I, and I think that's actually key about the new stuff about 2007 forward. All yeah, right. Well, I, instead yeah. of tinged, I would just go straight gothic. Yeah. Can we gothic <laughs> symphonic metal? Can we I'm okay it, with that label. I, uh, can we call it hot topic gothic? Because because it's not really like gothy. It you know 
it's like about, I wear black and I I'm so about faux goth <laughs> faux goth faux gothic <laughs> symphonic metal yeah I, I can live with that <laughs> all right all right <laughs> well here's my uh, like I keep it to two minutes my summary of Camelot's career and tear yeah let's hear tear this. into me wherever you disagree. Uh, so they're from, I believe, Tampa or St. Pete. Uh, they're from Central Florida. Uh, went totally against the grain. Um, they released an album in 95, 96 that I hadn't heard before last night. And they're, they're, oh. they're kind of, it sounds like Jag Panzer or Sanctuary. Is that, with, is that with Mark Vanderbilt? I. It's a different vocalist, and it might be two oh, different. Black Tower. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Black Tower. <laughs> so uh, I, I can't pass judgment on that, but it sounds a lot different. Uh, then they brought in uh, Roy Kahn, who, according to the story, is a uh, uh, a classically trained Norwegian singer. Um, the first album was Siege Perilous, which sounds mm. like Baldur's Gate music. <laughs> uh, I... I have n- no qualms with what you've been saying so far, so g- continue. Yeah. Th- then we enter the run that two old people like us is probably considered their classic run, which is... Uh, this is when I got into them, yes. Yeah, same. Karma, Fourth Legacy, and Epica. And then that mm-hmm. sort of... That's power into power prog. And then you've got... Uh, what's that one? Black the Halo. Black Halo. And, and that's sort of when they hit the... That's like them at their most progressive, and it's also when they switched to this more gothic tin style, and when they de-emphasize the guitars a bit. Uh, then we get, and I think, go ahead, Tim. I think March of Mephisto, which was the uh, the the first single off the Black Halo, didn't that have uh, Shagrat? It does, from, and, and it's got from, the uh, very on it. Uh, uh, you know, eighteen. 18th 19th century gothic conception it's got the male uh female duet and all of khan's ridiculous hand motions yeah <laughs> and he started wearing that like matrix trench coat yeah and i think like the eyeliner and the painted fingernails mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. be fair uh the on the expedition which is a live album of the fourth legacy which i also have yeah he, he mentions having to take off his coat so it may predate but they it may predate this. They did appear to always dress the same based on the back of the art, uh, you know, the band art. Uh, so then we get into where uh, maybe there's a fork in the road with uh, uh, Ghost Opera, uh, which is a little more commercial. I don't mean it in a bad way, but the songwriting's simpler. It's again more in more kind of hot topic goth. And I think it's where they introduce, at least on the album, I'm not sure about live, but uh, electric violins. Oh, interesting. And oh, and I then we get that. kind of their, the, the odd album out, which is uh, Poetry for the Poisoned, which is like full-on gothic metal. Um, very dark, a little more dirgy. Uh, I, I like it. I can't tell you why. Um. <laughs> <laughs> then it's at this point of uh, 2010 or so that Roy Khan left the band and to step in Tommy, I'm going to butcher his last name, but a Karavik. 
understand. Yep, that's, that is uh, correct they, as far as I know. They almost had Fabio Leone. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, did it, he it was play between, with them uh, a yeah. couple times? Yeah, like, so, so like Fabio filled in a few times and then... If they had moved to South America, he would have been... Well... <laughs> Yeah, Fabio filled in a few times, and then Tommy filled in a few times, and I was like, "Oh, thank!" It's like, please pick Tommy. Do not pick Fabio. <laughs> please pick Tommy. Yeah, and he's like, he's uh, no disrespecting Roy Khan, but he's kind of Roy Khan two He's like super dreamy and attractive looking, and he's yeah. he's got the hand gestures too, and a very similar range. Um, oh yeah, yeah. When they switched, I couldn't. I couldn't tell them apart immediately well it, it is worth noting that like there are interviews with with Karavik where he mentions singing in Roy's style um and I, I don't think he's you know from when he's entered the band he's still definitely singing in the Roy Khan style because if you listen to Seventh Wonder he is capable of way more yeah. than he does in Camelot. And, uh, Seventh Wonder, a progressive power metal. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, back to the power metal angle. Uh, so if we look at Roy Khan and Tommy Karavik singing like Roy Khan, they're actually kind of a narrow range uh, in, in what they attempt. Not, not super high, but total mastery within that more narrow range for power metal. One thing I always loved about Roy Khan was uh, particularly, and I think it, the song is called Rule the World, mm-hmm. when he's hitting the high note there, it, he like turns his face to the side and kind of pulls the mic away like he's trying to pull the yeah. note out of his face. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah. I've had that stuck in my head all day thinking about this, this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, so 2012, we get Silverthorn, which is, uh, I think... To Camelot's current fan base would be considered a revitalized Camelot. Um, very strong record. Uh, probably the first, again, a lot of the more gothic lyrical themes, the uh, male female duet. Um, and this introduces their use of like deathcore vocals just a little bit. It, this is weird. Um, it, it, maybe it's not weird. It, it feels like. Most bands pull in the female vocalist to get like the operatic, and they pull in the female vocalist to get the death vocals. Yeah. Um, and, well, that and, started you know, with Alyssa uh, White Gluz. It was she, she's an arch enemy now, right? It, yes. Okay. Yes, an arch enemy is terrible, and it's not her fault. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I've <laughs> yeah. Never really liked the, like the sacrimony video, uh, a, a fantastic video, but it's got Roy and the singer from. That Delane, uh, that pop, I don't mean that in a bad way, that pop metal, uh, they did that cover of the Sabaton song. I think you're, are you talking about Delane, Charlotte Wessels? Probably. Maybe I just so, don't know how to like, pronounce it. I think Camelot uh, became like a vessel for these uh, female vocalists to get, um, I don't want to say popular, but like, so what they what it seemed like, so they had Simone Simon, yeah, uh, uh, guest on something, and I guess like when they went to go tour, they're like, Oh, she's probably like, I, I can't make the tour, guys. You know, I got my own band named after one of your albums, so <laughs> they, um, so they pulled in, sh- I, I forget who was first, but they pulled in Charlotte Wessels and she toured with them 
and sung all the female parts. And I think um, Delane opened for them. I you, My timeline's fuzzy, but then they did the same thing with Alyssa White Gluz, and she uh, also happened to scream. So she was doing the uh, the Chagrat parts, and I think they, they kind of went in on that. And then I can't tell you who the third one was, but, you, you know, they did it again. But she had less of a career afterwards uh, compared to Alyssa and Charlotte. So I, I think it was, I think it's a completely premeditated thing by the record company or at least managers or something. Well, and they started. Th- and they're all very talented. Yeah, and they really, uh, and I feel dirty doing this, Tim. But the one thing I, I keep thinking about is how ahead of the curve Burning Shadows was. You're not going to like my use of the term deathcore, but uh, you were you were doing the death metal contrast stuff uh you know in 2005 2006 which wasn't like totally unknown but uh, you know every all these power metal bands do it now anyway plug done thank you (laughs) uh lauren hart might be who you're thinking of yes that that's the yeah and she does screaming screaming too and she just joined divine heresy who's just straight up death metal oh this is death okay never mind technical death slash groove metal metal core Ugh. Okay, when did that happen? I did not realize that. Okay. Yeah, so next time around, they'll have someone else. <laughs> yeah, so Silverthorn was a big hit. It kind of locked in this more commercial Camelot sound, and then they've repeated it in 2014 with Haven, uh, and then 2018 with The Shadow Theory, which I think has kind of been diminishing returns, but they're all very similar-sounding records. Uh, yeah, it wasn't super big on uh, the shadow theory for, for for reasons that I'll get into with the awakening. And, and just as a stylistic thing, they've always done like heavy orchestration, but they're now more driven by that and yeah. less by guitars. Is that reasonable? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So I. I consider like four eras of the, the sound of, uh, of Camelot. There's, there's the first few, but then there's the power metal. The the second era was the straight power metal, fourth legacy karma. And that's, you know, blends into this, uh, progressiveness, which ended with poetry for the poison, but that was also all their, uh, their ultra goth stuff. And I, th- I feel like after that, they said, okay, uh, after these last four albums, we're now in the fourth, uh, fourth era. They're like, we know how to make a, a, a generic poppy album. Yeah, now it's time to make some money. <laughs> yeah, turn that crank. <laughs> now, and throughout all of this, uh, they have always been able to write a damn good hook. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I yeah, like while you were listing the albums, I was just uh, going through the track lists, and I'm like, like I can immediately remember uh, choruses from a third of the album, right? Straight away without trying, you know. Uh, even like kind of bad songs, like "Falling with the Fahrenheit." Yeah, I know that one. <laughs> 
And and what I didn't notice until I was looking at this yesterday is like they they hit that sweet spot. Like they're not afraid to even do like a three and a half minute song, and they rarely go over five. Which again, for a progressive band, not the progressive has to mean long, but like it, it's all four to five minute songs that rarely overstay their welcome. Totally agree. <laughs> All right. All right. Yes. So now that we're through that, is it time to start? <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, looking at the album cover, this album, I believe, is about Maleficent from, um, oh, from that, Disney fame. That DreamWorks? No, uh, it like was Maleficent from, what is she from? Is she from like Snow White? Yeah. I think she was the evil witch in Snow yeah. White. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure that's what this album is about. And I think it was Catherine Zeta-Jones, right? No, it was Angelina Jolie. <laughs> and it, uh, it was Disney, you're right. Okay, that, that, was my, that was my sad attempt at a joke. Okay, continue. <laughs> no, no. It was, so, so let's jump into spot on. To act one. <laughs> act one. So I, I took a stab at where I think act one ends. One more flag in the ground. Maybe. I can see. Uh, yeah, I have Opus of the Night starting the second yeah. thing. So yeah, <laughs> there's a lot yeah, of agreement so be- here. Yeah, so uh, we got Overture, The Great Divide, Even Tide, and one more flag in the ground. Which, you know, I, I know, I, Sonata Arctica had a late later career song called Flag in the Ground, like. <laughs> All right. Could they have tried a little harder? And, and I feel like it's just got a statement that just robs me of any credibility as a music reviewer, but that is a Rammstein song. Like <laughs> the really simple guitar parts, the like the heavy, heavy sequencing, like the way in the chorus is like, yeah, yeah. And yeah. And you know, yeah. and they yeah. use that voice effect instead of an act for, for the, the choral line, they just use a keyboard voice. Oh, you know, <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I, some meta stuff about this album. It, it, it actually, this is something that I wanted to bring up uh, about the shadow theory and this. So, when I was first listening to this, you know, I've got my I've got my car audio tuned. However, you know, I've you know slightly boosted the bass or something like that. But what I didn't realize is that you really need to listen to this album with like a flat fucking eq oh you know what i i listened to it on my studio monitors (laughs) yeah probably a good thing i did that no you're you're absolutely because i I felt this way about the shadow theory and it makes me realize that maybe i need to go back and listen to this with some flat eq but if you don't this the guitar is eaten by the orchestration yeah completely um so to the point where it's like, do you even is is Young Blood even in the band? Um, and then once I listened to it, I, I was like, I gotta, I gotta figure this out because nobody else is saying this. Listen to it flat, and it's like, okay, I, the guitar shines through pretty well. Um, however, this album is loud as shit. Yeah, I I would definitely agree. I I think it was uh, I I had noticed some of the. Uh, some of the orchestration, I think it was like a flute, right? Uh, I forgot what song it was, but I, I was like, this is, uh, <laughs> that poor keyboardist did so much work 
orchestrating every little thing for this album just to have it like hard to hard to pick out elements because it just become this wall of sound. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's not necessarily the, a bad the guitar thing. Is like it's uh it's just all it's three stooges trying to get through the door. Right now live. The loudest band I have ever seen is actually Camelot. So maybe this is on brand. <laughs> um, well, uh, I have seen the loudest band on earth, Manowar. And you've but I'm seen pretty the sure actual, ministry was yeah, louder. I was about to say. <laughs> but yeah, sorry, yeah. I was going to say it. Uh, it's kind of interesting to me. This isn't necessarily a criticism, but for a band as big as they are, to keep all the orchestration so thin- synthetic, you know, to uh, do it all in synths. Uh, I, you know, I think the violins are are real, uh, but some some of them are at least. Yeah, that you wouldn't. Uh, you know, I mean, really, you you pay a bunch of uh, uh, you know classical musicians to to do very simple music to tie into heavy metal. Uh, you get to the same place, but it's like they could afford to do what everyone has done. You know, last decade, which is pay some orchestra or a bunch of session players a lot of money for it to sound about the same. Right. Yep. I. I will say of the first, like, especially the Great Divide, uh, it actually evokes earlier Camelot for me. Um, I mean, this album, I think, still definitely falls squarely into this, this like, new era of Camelot. But the Great Divide actually has this feeling, uh, at least... You know, I I haven't spent as much time with this album as I'd I'd liked, because I think Tim was like, hey, did you hear about the album? I was like, oh, shit. And he really was it out. Um, that was like two or three days ago. But, you know, it, it almost, I, I feel like, um, especially like Haven and Silverthorn, it's got really this rhythmic pulse to a lot of the songs that the Great Divide doesn't have. You know, it kind of feels a little bit more like kind of, I, 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 I guess I'd say energetic and, um, soaring maybe would be the right thing to say i feel like they've been using the guitars more for rhythm and driving the melody through the orchestration right with this being a good exception to that yes yeah actually yeah i think that's a very good way to put it yeah it's definitely more of just kind of like a chug chug here's the edge the orchestration holds everything else uh, yeah, so we're part of the reason for this uh, format is to make us go track by track. Uh, so I think not much to say about Overture. Oh, however you say that. Yep, yep. Uh, it's the great. Di- I mean, it's there. It's kind of just in the way. And it doesn't even. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't I mean, tie into the Great Divide. I, I forget if there are other uh, intro pieces do, uh, but I, I think the Great Divide's like a perfect album opener. Uh, you know, I think. To Mike's point, it's it's closer to their older sound. Or the lyrics are oh so gothic, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, excellent right off the bat. Yeah, I like this song. Yeah. Well, yeah. So the the first few songs on here, I'm like, oh, it's it's the same album again. Yeah, it's Camelot, but not, not not so much in a b- bad way. But it's just like here's here's the catchy song. Here's the other catchy song. <laughs> Here you go. And yeah, so um, 
I think, yeah, I think they were good. So great divide, even tide, and one more flag in the ground. I, um, my note to myself was, is this album AI generated? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's just kind of like, it's, it's crank turning. Well, one more flag in the ground is it's, it's almost like, like I said, you know, you uh, take out the guitar solo and, and the vocal style. It sounds so, it's so simple. It sounds like a, a Rammstein song. This is an arena. This is like an arena banger, you know, it, it, like if they were playing a stadium. Yeah. yeah. I, so I'm sure it's, it must be their single. Uh, but I, I feel like they've never done something that overtly commercial in that way. I mean, I, I, I won't lie. This song is stuck in my head right now. <laughs> it's not a bad song. And it is loud as shit. Uh, even in the context of this album, <laughs> um, but you know th- that chorus is is pretty solid. I think. Yeah. Uh, it, to your point, Tim, it's like, yeah, man, they can write a hook. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like this song. My only note on Even Tide is for you sounds like fuck you. <laughs> That's what I kept hearing. <laughs> like he's saying it like you know, under his breath, very emotional. Fuck you. (laughs) Well, thanks. Thanks for ruining that song or improving it, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Again, they (laughs) kind of changes the meaning. They, they really, uh, they take the, uh, the death core stuff to the next level. Um, and it works in that song too. I have noted. All right. Yeah. So that's act one. So that first, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give that whole. It's, it starts off strong. I'm gonna. I was gonna give it an eight, but I, I want to ding it for the uh, for the useless overture that doesn't need to be there. So I'm I'm going seven and a half. I go eight. Yeah, I give I give it an eight. All right. Act two, starting with. What did we decide already? Opus of the night. So this song, speaking <laughs> parentheses, of- Ghost Requiem, <laughs> like like that. That's another just like uh, we have a Camelot song title generator. <laughs> well, and I think it's th- talking, you're trolling us. Like this song is literally just ghost opera again, <laughs> uh, and it's yeah, it's not rapey the way ghost. I don't know if you've seen the ghost opera video, but that always just using rape as a cheap dramatic device. Uh, it was sleazy. So th- it's the same song This without that. So I like it. Uh, but it's got a good violin guitar duel. Uh, duel. Yeah, I I, uh, I think there was great... Uh, the, the symphonic stuff in this song in particular, I think, was, uh, was really well done. But it, the whole thing sounded Nightwishy to me. Which I think we'll we'll come back to a bit. Yep. Yeah, I uh, I'll be honest with you. I cannot remember this song. It's the one with the cello. (laughs) I I remember a lot of other songs on this album. I just this one is I can't think of it. All right, what was what was next? Midsummer's Eve. So th- I always I always like their ballads. I think their ballads yeah. are always pretty I solid. It, I thought it was a good position for the ballad as well. Yeah, yeah. like it's like uh, for 
four very poppy ones, or maybe poppy is the wrong word, but you know. Now, I, I feel big like- songs, and then now it's time for the ballad, and this one had had the same cellist and a violinist, and uh, additional keys and arrangements by some guy. As I, I think as I was listening to the song, I, it just struck me. It's like, man, they do not use Tommy Karovic the way they should. Uh, he, he can, I, I know we said it earlier, but it's, he, I think he shines in particular by making songs like this, like effortlessly complex uh, vocally. Uh, where he just does all sorts of vocal runs and but, but he it, it's not like overdoing it you know he, he he can basically just kind of spice up a song by just doing what he does and i he's still pretty constrained uh pretty much all the way through um and, and it struck me on this song i think where it's like man i i know what he's capable of we really should you just like let him go <laughs> but yeah, it's, I still like this ballad. Um, solid ballad. Uh, I, I, I don't think there's a Camelot ballad I don't like, to be honest, though. So Yet. Yeah, yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, 100% agree The uh, with the cello solo is good. Um, you know, they, they drive it with uh, the violin and the cello. Uh, more gothic lyrics. What's not to like? All right, then we get into Blood Moon, which uh, is like one of the, it's like textbook late era Camelot, but this might be my favorite <laughs> one of these on the record. It's got that, um, the sitar notes, which I'm sure was famous yeah. at the beginning. Those are great. <laughs> and the it's just catchy as hell. Yeah, and this one's a little bit, if I'm remembering the song, the, the correct song, this one's a little bit more guitar driven. Yeah, yeah, than, the guitar is driving the chorus. Yeah, which is... You know, before I did my EQ correction, I was like, okay, here's here's the guitar. Like, there it goes. Oh, oh, I I need to interject. Uh the in one more flag in the ground, Tommy's wife, Cobra Page, did the operatic vocals. Oh really? Yeah. I wonder how they got her. Hey, are you busy? <laughs> what do you want? Yeah, what band she in? this shit. Cobra and the Lotus. Okay, I have not heard of that band. Okay, so uh, any more comments on Blood Moon? I frankly I don't remember it. <laughs> no. So next would be Night Sky. I liked Night Sky a lot, and I didn't write down why. <laughs> and three minutes twenty four seconds. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's why. Yeah, I mean, I, I then, don't, I don't remember much about this song. Like, it's, would it's solid. you end here for the second act, or would you include the Looking Glass? I would end here personally. Same, as tempting as it is to prop up the next act. Uh, <laughs> well, you're you're reading ahead. <laughs> All right. Uh, Another strong chunk of the album. Um, is it better than the 
opener. See, I, I dinged the opener, and now I'm feeling guilty, so I'm going to unding this act and uh, give it an eight and a half. Mm. Dead air. It's a nine. Um, wow. The hits keep coming. <laughs> For now. <laughs> yeah, I'm... I guess I'll I guess I'll go eight. I I, I wish I remembered more of this act. Um, well, well, it, it, the fact that you don't yeah may say something means it wasn't terrible. I I couldn't tell so, you a thing about the shadow theory except that I've always enjoyed it in the ten times I've listened to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up, act three, beginning with the Looking Glass, another song I don't remember. I actually do remember this song, and it's it's okay. I, I, I don't think this one is as much of a... I, I, it strikes me, I mean, I think par- partially due to the obvious reference to, you know, Alice in Wonderland. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's, it's interesting, but I don't, I don't recall it being, like, super striking. And this is definitely where you start to bury your weaker songs. And it's not bad, but it's uh, not that memorable. It's the same uh, or orchestral-driven, you know, uh, pretty fast tempo, hyper melodic song we've heard five times already. Right. Yep. <laughs> All right, New Babylon. Here, I'm. I think here I'm, it comes. New Babylon. I'm not real fond of this one. So I wrote, "New Babylon is weird." This is it's, <laughs> this is Century Child Nightwish. It's it's. I don't hate this song, but it's it's like. It, I I think if I had to cut a song on the album, it would be this one. Uh, there's more. Uh, Guest vo- uh, guest musicians. This has Simone Simons on it, uh, and Melissa Bonnie, who's listed as clean and dark vocals dark on vocals. New Babylon. There's also a New Babylon choir: Chris Fensky, Svenja Kader, and Oliver Palotai. Palotai is the keyboardist. So it is. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> so. I, I actually yeah, like this yeah, song. So they, uh, going into the like the full night wish mode, you know, if we, if we accept that uh, for what it is, I think this is a pretty solid song. I don't really like night wish, so that probably explains. Yeah, I would do it. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I just I, thought it sounded. Uh, it didn't sound Camelotty to me. Yeah, I think that's probably. You know? it, it definitely it stands out. On this it might album. be one of those ones that grows on you, though. It's, to me, it feels a little repetitive. Like I don't, I don't find the chorus to be strong enough to justify how often we return to it. Um, you know that new Babylon. It's like all right, all right, all right I, I got it. <laughs> so I got it. It's about social inequality. I. You can sing about that as long as the song's good. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right now mike next defend willow 
Hmm. Let's see. This is ballady, as I recall. Yes. It's... I I can I can defend Willow. Yeah, I I, so I, it's, I like this song. It's very sparse. Yeah. So you've had the wall of sound for most of the album now, and they bring it down to I don't know, it's kind of meandering. I it's 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 a decent song. It's not terrible, but when it hits uh, my pantheon, the next track, the last proper song, it sounds huge yeah. because it's right after Willow. I respect the utilitarian purpose of the song in the track order, but I don't think mm. anyone's going to be like, oh, fuck yeah, Willow. Why? <laughs> I love this one. Yeah, you're probably right about we'll that We'll find one. out. We'll, we, we'll, need, we'll need to see the tour. <laughs> it's just Willow 28 times. They open with it. They open with Willow, close with Karma, and then have an encore of Willow. <laughs> All right. Well, you're right about my pantheon. It, it starts out slow, then it just stampedes you with dynamism. Yeah, I mean, th- this, this feels... This is a stronger... This is one of the stronger songs on this this latter third for sure. Uh, yeah. However, I kept hearing a weird <laughs> in there. Did you hear that? No. But now there's, I will. <laughs> yeah. Go listen to it again because there's like it's it's like a background vocal. It's a little bit buried, and he's going and it reminds me of I believe it was a Kids in the Hall sketch. <laughs> Or it might have been The State. I don't know. One of those 90s sketch shows where the bit was, the guy keeps going, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I think this is just New Babylon Part 2, and I personally like New Babylon better, but they're very similar in approach. I do like how you get the the minute of, uh, you know, the the orchestration just barrels in and you're like shit like that part's cool and now i'm wondering since my pantheon and new babylon have the same number of syllables i'm trying to figure out which chorus i'm remembering yeah because i thought it was my babylon and my pantheon when i was writing this it's like (laughs) it's like no wonder they just added forever more there for no reason yeah. yeah, I, I, I mean, it's a, it's from the Camelot Word Bank. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I, but my my opinion, I, I, going back to kind of Tim, your initial thoughts is like, yep, it's a new new Camelot Camelot album. Like, there it is again. <laughs> they did it again. <laughs> yep, and then there's a useless outro, which I believe had a major key in it. I didn't Which, even. I don't even remember what that sounds it, like. It sounds all. like exactly. Final Fantasy music. It's yeah. one of their better video game music pieces. Yeah, but it's just like it doesn't matter at the end of the episode. It's like eh. <laughs> episode <laughs> uh, album. Right. I feel like you should like string motifs. Like like you should be pulling something from what you've done, but they yeah. don't. 
Or, I mean, there's an Opeth album that ends with epilogue that sounds nothing like the rest of it, but it's still interesting. This wasn't interesting. At least not in the context of the album. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there is, is this a concept? There doesn't, it doesn't seem like there's a common thread. But I have not seen it positioned as such. Right. But I feel like all their albums sort of feel, at least their their more recent albums feel. Well, Haven and the Shadow Theory do tell there is a concept. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. And and I believe there are parts one and two of a story. The concept seems really stupid, but it's there. (laughs) Is it Uh, that science fiction thing in that video? I, I I wanted it's so if you listen to like okay Haven it's all about like some government and overthrowing and because at the, the the end song is revolution uh and then it, listening to um end of innocence let's see I poured myself onto this page I'm writing a swan song for ages so, so, so my understanding of of this whole thing is like, of, of Haven is like, oh, I'm, it's like the toppling of a government, you know. Uh, but, but I don't, I never really bothered to look into it more than that. So, so <laughs> you know, that I, Nine Inch Nails album just done goth metal. I guess so. <laughs> I could be wrong. Maybe I'm totally wrong. No, I, I bet you're right because the videos all seemed interlinked. Yeah. It's it's funny, uh, End of Innocence, Camelot, Iced Earth, and Symphony uh, Symphony X <laughs> released songs called End of Innocence, like, within years of each other. Huh. It's funny to me. Um, yeah, so I think this was the weakest act. Uh, yeah. L- like you said, it's where you bury all the songs you're less confident in. They experimented a little bit, for better or worse. Um, but I don't want to ding it too hard. So, uh, cause I mean, it wasn't bad. It was just weird and different. So I'm going with seven. Same seven, seven. Wow. Straight sevens. Lucky. Okay. Presentation. So I got the CD version. Uh, yeah, that thing is digi- awesome. It's a digipack, yeah. which I hate. I hate digipacks, but I do like the. The, the K cut out on the slipcase yeah. of the Digipack. That's cool. Uh, cover is some lady in a gothic setting. I mean, that's very Camelot of them. Yeah. She's <laughs> wearing a moon on her head. Yep. A, a, a techno moon. A, yeah, techno moon that's plugged into the Matrix. And she's wearing a, uh, a long flowing dress that is just impractical. You can't walk anywhere in this dress. Yeah, how did she get here? I would assume she came up from underneath. Or are those meant then, to be like her people moon thing under get the dress that are like holding oh, yeah. it up? I see a bird. There's a there's like an owl in there. This is why I need to get vinyl so I can see what's on the cover. <laughs> I you know what? The only thing I can make out of there is a bird. Everything else is just like a mishmash of shit. Well, I'm looking yep. at the insert, and it's again like yeah, a lot of goth gothic imagery blood on bodies but there is this one this is like a 
like an owl with something like something oh. sharp right in front of its eye. Oh, guess it's pretty goth. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's hard to be more goth than you know the uh, lady <laughs> bleeding down her back. And yeah, she so, forgot to wear clothes. So, so frankly, I would describe maybe Camelot's new aesthetic as tryhard. Uh, <laughs> if I'm being totally honest, like I, f- I feel like Silverthorn wasn't really that way, but but Haven and onward, yeah, maybe Silverthorn is still pretty tryhard. But. Now, I want to talk about the back of the album, the band photo. Oh yeah, show me. I, All right, I, here it is. Tommy Karavik and some guys. <laughs> I mean, he's very prominent. It's not as bad as uh, the early Arch Enemy days when Angela Gossow was like, you know, a hundred meters in front of the band, yeah. and the <laughs> the band could be mistaken for passersby. But <laughs> Tommy Karavik is far more prominent on the back of this album <laughs> than anyone else. I, I yeah, I, mean, I love the new metal bassist. He's my God. favorite part of the band. Representing Tim, Central Florida. Dude, <laughs> Tim and I have talked about him before. It feels like if you cut off his dreads, he'd be a car mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he looks like. Like, like I'll have it done by Thursday. <laughs> he, he does a great job. It, it's just. He does. He's, he's good at what he's doing, but. But I, I love on. how he's, he has all the like unrepentantly 90s, like corn esque stage moves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> yeah. So uh for presentation, it's very unbrand. Try hard is a good term for it. I you you know, I appreciate the thought. It's, like it looks all good. the all the booklet has a like all all every page has artwork or you you know uh a photo in it, which used to be the norm and expected. Yeah. But since CD sales are declining, fewer bands are doing like going all out the way they should be with the CD package design. And I appreciate that they they kept it up. And it um, looks like there were like four or five options, like a nice vinyl. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, not like unexpected, but uh, this is they spent a lot of money and it shows, you know, they. Yeah. Give the people I mean, what they expect. I mean, so, so Haven, Shadow Theory, and The Awakening, like presentation-wise, like identical. They're great and good. they're identical. Yes, but they they look good, right? Like they're, they're maybe cool it's albums. Maybe it's because Thomas Youngblood is like sixty, even though he's pretending he's not. <laughs> he's like, we need the physical media. Yeah, <laughs> it's in my contract. Man, okay, I got to go back to this cover again for The Awakening. So, all right, she's wearing a moon. It's connecting some wires. And what is, is that like a light switch that she's holding? What is that? Okay, Thomas Youngblood, by the way, is 48, and he's from Richmond. He's 48? Virginia. Yeah. Oh, that's why she spoke very locally when we saw, he did say Silver Springs, but... He, he knew the difference between that and Baltimore quite well. Right. Yeah. Well, he can be forgiven since he's from central Virginia. <laughs> you know? it's, there's too much traffic to come up to Silver Spring. Springs. Springs. <laughs> spring is one spring. 
And they probably paved it over. <laughs> Stainless steel now. They had to. It looks like she's holding a dagger. But is that what a, that a is? very weird way of holding one. Do you see it? Really? Oh, oh, is it like it's cut into her hand? Oh, I see. And what the fuck is going on with this lady? What what is she doing? Is we'll her is know. that her dress behind her too? Like, is it over top of some shit? It's it's like there's people underneath holding it up, or some kind of supernatural force, and it's like rippling. So this is like some Lady Gaga shit. Like, where you, you need like an entire team to get her. Yeah, if they her, do this live, there. it's a great cover. They pull this image off. I'm 100% you know, sold. I'm thinking this looks pretty good behind me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I might temporarily replace the jugulator with this. I mean, it, it is a cool <laughs> image. Um, I just I just really enjoy overanalyzing <laughs> this, this shit. I bet they have a forum, and it could be like you and some 15-year-olds. <laughs> She's Dude. so hot. I like the the moon she's wearing covers her eyes. <laughs> okay. When I saw Jag Panzer a long time ago, there was a guy in Springfield, Virginia, who was holding up a sign that said, like, Jag Panzer taught me my English homework or something like that. Yeah. Um, so he goes up to them before the show, and he's talking to them, and they say, you're the guy from the forums, aren't you? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> He was like, yeah, it's me. (laughs) Ah, that's great. All right. We have a couple more categories. Uh, Oh, we were talking about presentation. Let's let's, uh, finish on that. So uh, I think it comes off. I I think the positives balance the negatives and it falls more towards the positive side. So I'm going to give the presentation. Well, I was going to say eight, but what could improve it? Not too much. So I'll go eight and a half. Uh, I'm going to give it a seven. Try hard stuff. Like, Good point on the try hard stuff. Yeah. I, I feel like you have to... If you're doing something that's stupid, which this is, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> Till proven you, otherwise, yeah. yeah you, you have to either like totally lean into it or like don't do it. And I, this seems a bit more like on the oblivious angle, like and and it's like they've done the same thing since poetry for the poisoned, essentially. They and, have, and even yeah. the backdrop. This looks like the uh, the great pandemonium video. If you swap out the <laughs> soul machine with this moon woman, <laughs> yeah, I, the, what they uh. Uh, are you, do you want them to like all wear Jinkos or something? Like, <laughs> well, I think it's like, how do you go all in on it? That's, that's my question. I mean, like, all right. If you're, if you're going to do the Gothic shit, I feel like you got to come out and you're like, like if you're, if you're on stage with this, you, you're, you're draped in cloaks Oh, so kind of like, kind of like what Roy Khan was doing yeah. with his trench coat thing. Or you look like Behemoth, if you, if you, or Behemoth, Behemoth, live. You know, where they. Come I always out. say Behemoth. Behemoth. But, uh, yes. Type type how that is pronounced. 
in the uh, yeah. comments below, please. But, <laughs> but yeah, you know, you know, they come out and they look like uh, they look like they all spec thief in Baldur's Gate. Yeah, um, and it's like that's what you want to do. <laughs> I, I feel like if you. <laughs> It's like but you, thief uh, by way of hot topic, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, but 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 with Camelot, they look far too normal. Otherwise, I feel like to to to, to justify this imagery, you know, because they they look like they're dressing up in black to dress up in black, and then they go home and they put on like I don't know a tie dye shirt, and they're like, oh, yeah. Well. And, I feel normal. <laughs> and this isn't a criticism, if true, but I wonder, because they really do lean into the goth thing the last 15 years. And, and they were always darker, and they always dressed kind of in costumes before, it, it seems. But, like, the old goth industrial thing and, like, the crux shadows and whatever bands you would have once seen are all gone now. So there is a market space for the kids. You know, they got screamo and emo, but some people want the more, they got to go from the nightmare before Christmas to something. And now it's Camelot. And I, yeah, how much it, of that was yeah. like a vacuum that they stepped into and how much of it is just what they always wanted to do. I, I, I will also say like the, I do feel like the presentation doesn't quite match the music. Um, you know, especially a song like The Great Divide. It's it's not really... It's not consistently in line with the presentation, let's put it that way. You know, it sometimes is, especially with, the Haven, with Haven and the Shadow Theory. This album, not as much. Yeah, this is a little... Uh... I don't know if brighter is the right word, but it's a little more upbeat. With when you think of karma, the the term the word epic comes to mind. Like everything was about it being like soaring melodies, and everything's about like I don't know death and futility and and not crying. Not yeah, don't don't you cry? <laughs> God forbid it. Uh, but you know, it's the spell wings of despair. It, everything is about it just being like kind of big and epic. Um, and the, the new, the, the, the new aesthetic is definitely supposed to be more close to just pure despair. Um, but the lyrics, I don't think often or frequently don't match that. Um, for better or for worse. I mean, it doesn't bother me. I still really like Camelot. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like you really got to take your aesthetic and go all the way. Or, or ease back and, and try, to, try to make it fit what you're doing. Doug, what's your score on the presentation? Uh, eight. All right. Now the last... Last category, I guess. I see. I've written. I have it written here as trueness <laughs> or metalness. So, well, trueness so is very low. <laughs> well, so what I'm struggling with here for this category is it's it's very on brand for Camelot. So it's very <clears throat> truly Camelot. <laughs> you, you know what I. You well, know what I mean? Uh, like, 
Uh, but yeah. at the same time, that also means it's it's uh, by the numbers more or less. It's uh, commercial. <laughs> it's uh, mastered too hot. Yeah. You know, and does that mean they're being posers or they're being, or is that like a real metal thing to do? It's like, we found the formula, let's stick to it. Yeah, I have written, they do exactly what they want to do and aren't afraid to make money while doing it. <laughs> There's something about their history, sound, or image to annoy everyone, which is metal. <laughs> Wow! Yeah, I, you have you have convinced me. So there's, <clears throat> I feel like judging them in terms of metalness is difficult. Like especially, uh, I would say the 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 classic era of Camelot, you know, uh, being the fourth legacy, Karma and Epica. Uh, it's very flowery and ornate music, right? Uh, so it's not real, like you know, crushing or or imposing, or which is kind of like the typical things that we we talk about when we talk about everything being like, oh, it's metal. Um, and then I feel like with this tryhard shit, it's less so uh, because I feel like it's trying to convince me that it's crushing or imposing, but it's it's still Camelot. Um, so. I mean, I would rate this pretty low uh, on the metal. Just if it weren't try hard, if I were convinced that they believed it, I'm. Oh, I was never convinced they believed it. Yeah, <laughs> but, but but I could see them being like, writing karma and be like, man, spells are so cool. Yeah, oh, that's true. Man, Elizabeth yeah, and the demons are casting those spells. <clears throat> you know, center of the universe. My demons. Yeah. <laughs> but with the awakening, I feel it's like. Yeah, I bet. I bet some kids will think this is pretty slick. Now, like like Siege Perilous, <laughs> they believed in that. I think yes. you're right. Now it's <clears throat> yeah, that's a good point. Well, so also to to counter the the metal argument, <laughs> I'm looking at our scores for Ripper, and how can you how I was I was about to drop a score <clears throat> that is comparable to Ripper's score, and now if if Ripper and Camelot were in a room, like all the metal metalness belongs to Ripper. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I'm going to subtract from the metal score. It is metal what they're doing, but it's also not metal what they're doing. So I'm going to have to go with a, a, a six for the, the trueness slash metal score. Yeah, I'll go six as uh, well. Camelot, the awakening. All right. And Mike, uh oh five and a half five i'll go five five and wow so it's really nowhere near as metal as uh as the ripper album i can it live could with that. be <laughs> it's yeah well i mean we knew I, that coming in yeah i wouldn't expect it to be as as metal as ripper you know one thing i kept thinking especially with um uh what's the <clears throat> uh opus of the night the ghost opera redux are they are they writing all this stuff to cut roy khan out of the royalties like <laughs> oh, they're, they're not like going to need to play too songs. much of uh except for the camelot the fourth legacy stuff or uh, no they don't even play the fourth legacy live i've i haven't seen them play the fourth legacy live since i saw them tour the black halo 
that's a shame. Yeah, I, the closest they came was uh, Palatai doing doing like diddle 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 diddle, you know, on the yeah, yeah. on the keyboard. Yeah, uh, th- before we go, I do want to respond to this review on Metal Archives. <laughs> this was written on March twentieth, twenty twenty three, by Saba. And he gave uh, it a 55%. I think that's low. And what he says is Camelot is a band that should certainly please me on paper. The international group plays power international. <clears throat> <laughs> they got a guy from Canada. Uh, Tommy Karavik moved from Sweden to Canada. So. Oh, I didn't know that. I <laughs> so think now Palatize. everyone's in Florida, except for Tommy. Palatize, in Alberta. Uh, Italian. He's not even in like a part of Canada people live in. <laughs> uh I apologize for all of our um, all of our Flames fans, listeners. Anyway, uh, the international group plays power metal with at times progressive songwriting and symphonic arrangements that often flirt with gothic stylistics. As we as we addressed, it's not power metal. It's not progressive. And the whole thing is symphonic. It's not at times symphonic. Anyway, however, the band's discography had numerous significant ups and downs, in my opinion. Even the group's performances yeah, the- and concerts have been underwhelming as the group has been outclassed by opening act Sonata Arctica. Yeah, that's some hot fucking garbage right there. And even <laughs> matched in their infamous pop rock band by infamous pop rock band Battle Beast regarding crowd participation. If you're going to I tell regret me- to inform you that here we go again, since The Awakening is a significant regression in comparison to versatile predecessor, the Shadow Theory, that managed to grow with every spin. This oh. fucking guy thinks new Sonata Arctica is cla- outclassed, yeah, if, formulaic if- Camelot. No. And you're gonna tell me way the fuck off base and Battle Beast sucks. If you're going to tell me that watching Tony Kako have a midlife crisis on stage for the last 15 years is better than Camelot, no. Yeah, but there's he a, does wear the Jinkos. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of people net. on the Camelot stage to distract you from Thomas Youngblood's <laughs> midlife crisis. <laughs> Yeah, he I'm goes on, but I mean, this opening paragraph just shows you how how uh, unreliable this this guy's opinion is. Like, he clearly doesn't know what he likes. <laughs> so. You know, the, yeah. The one thing yeah, sorry, we didn't touch on is comparative, at least to the the Tommy Karavik era. Do we agree this is at least their best album since Silverthorn? Hmm, I liked Haven a lot. Uh, I also liked Haven a lot. So I'm not sure yet how I would position this. I need to give it a few more spins, but like Haven, I know extremely well. I don't know why um, that I'd album still resonated with group me. Group all of these pretty close together, yeah. though. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, true. Yeah, so <clears throat> so to me, it's kind of meaningless unless uh, we had to like really analyze it and like compare how bad the bad tracks are and how great the great tracks are, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, so far, this seems like a real solid album with maybe kind of a n- not as great back half or back third. 
Um, Haven is pretty strong all the way through, I think. And it's one of those, like, I really like that album, but I don't remember anything about it. So, yeah, I guess I can't take it in form positions. I'm going to be prog and not take a position. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, I was looking up this guy's other reviews. <laughs> he doesn't like the Lord of Steel. Oddly, he doesn't like Battle Beast. I mean, he gave them 0%. <laughs> Doesn't like Taria, Moonspell, and Motorhead. He gave, he gave, yeah, this guy. I just, I love the. Oh, oh, apparently, oh, never mind. Uh, He doesn't like uh, Destruction, (laughs) Exodus, Hammer, well, Hammerfall Infected, he doesn't like. Maybe that's okay. (laughs) Anyway. I I just Uh, love the overwrought sort of house style to heavy metal reviews. See, I um I used to frequent a a metal message board on the site called Tufel's Tomb. And Tufel, I I became like I would I would say acquaintances with Tufel, but his whole thing was just writing extremely caustic reviews, no matter what. <laughs> uh, so, so so even if you liked the band, it would still it's just. You know, he he had this section de- devoted to hate mail where he would just like post. Oh, it was fantastic because he just slammed everything. And I loved it. <laughs> oh, no. All right. I, I'm going to say something uh, um, very controversial. Am this I going to edit this out? <laughs> no. Uh, this guy, you know, he's, his opinion should be disregarded because he likes By the Light of the Northern Star by tear um <laughs> that is controversial we'll, we'll argue about that on a future episode I fucking hate that album <laughs> <laughs> that'll be a good uh review battle yeah i think <laughs> all right any any closing remarks nope solid album like it um doesn't do anything spectacular but it's fun to listen to Thanks, Battle Nation. We'll see you on the other side of the blood moon. (laughs) And don't get your moon hat caught in your giant dress. Until next time, keep it metal. Even tied. Is that even a word? Uh, it's It's a guitar brand. It's a guitar gear brand.